Merry Christmas, everyone. What an awesome turnout this morning. We, when we were talking about, amen, huh? We were talking, we were discussing it among staff. Should we, you know, what should we do for Christmas morning? Christmas lands on a Sunday, you know. If, and we thought that there was a very strong possibility that the worship team would be playing for the tech team back there. And that was, and man... That's and look at, this is the most beautiful Christmas morning that I have experienced in at least a decade, because we were in New York for seven years. And did, by the way, do you see what's happening in Western New York right now? They're, they can't even drive. So, neener, neener, neener. I don't know. But, wow. Uh, I want to thank the parents here, all you parents, for sharing your children with us and just bringing them into the sanctuary with us. These are beautiful. We're celebrating the baby Jesus. We're celebrating a child, and so to hear our children's voices as we worship together and to model worship for our children, I think, is just so beautiful. So thank you for bringing them and not being scared. I know it's stressful to bring your kids in the main service and all that, but uh, thank you. We just love your kids. So hey, how many kids we have in here? Let me hear how. Let me hear all the kids. Let me hear you just yell Merry Christmas as loud as you can. All you kids, okay? All the kids. Nicholas, Anna, okay? Guys, on the count of three, all the kids, yell Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to go into God's Word, so let me go ahead and uh, just start us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, salvation has come. It's because you sent your only begotten Son, the Word made flesh, that salvation has come. It's because of your grace by which you had a plan from the very entrance of sin into this world to save to redeem humanity from her captivity to sin, that you revealed that plan through the prophets. And then on that blessed morning more than 2,000 years ago, the child was born and salvation has come. And it is on this blessed Christmas morning in 2022, after having gone through the last two years of mandates and restrictions and illness and financial uncertainty and looming threats of war and all of these things that we have endured that we come together to declare once again that our God is bigger and we have hope. And because we have hope from our Creator, we also have much joy. Joy that transcends all human concern. Joy that conquers fear and depression. Joy that is present even in human suffering. We've come to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. Salvation has come. And we give this time over to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. One of the main themes of Christmas, of course, is joy. Uh, we see it plastered everywhere. But we live in a disjointed world that often confronts joy with worry and discontentment, anxiety, and all kinds of negative emotions. Many during the Christmas season are unable to escape the harsh reality of the world that they must celebrate the season without the ones they love most. 
We see the world around us while many of us are enjoying turkey, ham, rib roast, right? And we, still so many are deployed to parts of the world that have known little peace in generations. And then we're reminded of the unnecessary lack of peace between friends and family members on social media and other places. And for, so, so, for many, the joy disappears into depression and sorrow. Well, one such man who experienced that depression was a poet by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. In 1861, Longfellow's wife was sealing envelopes with a hot with hot wax and her dress caught fire. Henry valiantly smothered the flames, but by the time the fire was out, it was too late, and she had been burned beyond recovery. The next day, she died of her injuries. That event changed Longfellow forever. He also had suffered disfiguring burns from rescuing her to his own face, and so he grew a beard to cover them up. But most significantly, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow slipped into severe depression. On Christmas Day of 1862, his journal reads, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. Longfellow was a devout abolitionist, but was deeply disturbed by the Civil War itself. And though he had pleaded with his son, Charlie, not to join the war in March of 1863, he went to Washington to enlist in the 1st Massachusetts Artillery. Charlie would write his father about the terrors of war and experiencing those things that Henry had wished to spare his son from. Then in November at the Battle of New Hope Church in Virginia, Charlie was grave, gravely wounded in battle. The bullet went through his back and shoulder, nicking his spine. Longfellow immediately went to Washington to retrieve his wounded boy, and then on December 8th, they arrived at their Cambridge home, and Henry began the months-long process of nursing his young son back to health. And then Longfellow's despair would continue to build. Well, before we continue on with that story, let's go back in time nearly 1,900 years before that dark period in American history to see another historical moment that is set against the backdrop of Bethlehem, Israel. In a time that Israel is under the rule of the Roman Empire and a ruthless local governor doing Caesar's bidding. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke 2, verse 8. It says, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When we look at the 
world around us against the backdrop of the proclamation of these angels, it rarely makes sense. What peace? In that time, Caesar attempted to promote a system of peace called Pax Romana. You may have heard of it. It was basically a system that allowed various provinces to govern themselves under a wider system of uh, where Rome would still receive uh, taxes and uh, from them they would, he would help protect and control the areas militarily. It worked to prevent a lot of violence, but the Jewish people and many others didn't exactly feel at peace with Rome. There was also that Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, but it means much more than the absence of conflict. It's a, it's a salutation that which is uh, happy, uh, happiness and well-being and prosperity or, or to make something whole. Of course, we can see that wish often falls flat in the face of reality. Militarily, America's about the most peaceful place in the world because of our geography and the great prosperity that's helped build a strong military and the freedoms that our citizens have to speak freely and to bear arms. We're, we're well insulated from any foreign invasion. But to say that we are at peace with one another would be absurd. Uh, and to think that we're at the center of God's activity in the world is even more absurd, right? That there are Christians around the world that are faithful, being persecuted and martyred in every corner of this earth. There are Christians being persecuted. What did the angels mean on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased? Was that rhetorical? Like, was, is God not pleased with anyone? No, we know that Jesus satisfied God's wrath when he went to the cross so that when God would look upon his elect, he sees the perfection of Christ. What is, what is peace on earth? Why do we sing about it if it doesn't exist? How could the angels proclaim something so far from the reality that we see and experience? Well, there are really two answers that go together to this. The first is, of course, that we have hope because we have the promise of his soon return, at which time he will restore all things to himself. But the second is the fact that we are the forerunners to that great event. Those of us who belong to Jesus have peace, not because we're insulated from war or social media attacks or other conflict, but because that baby born in a manger would die in our place so that we could be at peace with God, even here on earth. The shepherds who saw these angels were not looking for them. They, they didn't choose to be visited by the angels, but God reached down to them through the angels, offering favor to these guys that are in a messy occupation because they, not because they deserved it in any way, but because of his own free grace. The angels ushered Jesus into Bethlehem as our priestly king by crying out, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. It captures the very essence of the identity of Jesus that we talked about last night. If you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6, we 
hear this read often on Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. That doesn't change as he walks through life. On the week that he was to be arrested and crucified, he would come into Jerusalem riding on a colt, and the people, all the people would come out with a similar proclamation that the angels had. And this is some 33 years later. Luke 19.38, the people are crying out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now I find it very interesting that the angels sing peace on earth, and as Jesus enters the earth, they're singing that. And then the people sing peace in heaven as he prepares to leave the earth and go back to heaven. And I think the implication is that wherever Jesus is, he brings peace. Not only that, but when Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure and giving them the promise of the Holy Spirit, he tells them that his peace will remain with them. Look at this in John 14, 27. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So if Jesus is dwelling with us, where is his peace? Here's the thing. I've been doing church ministry all over the place for over two decades. And you know, I haven't really seen any more peace in the church than I've seen anywhere else. So what peace is Jesus talking about? And I believe we can turn to Colossians to find that answer. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself or reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You see, one day he will reconcile all things to himself, but he starts with us, the Christians, those with whom the Bible says he is pleased. Not because we did anything that would be pleasing to him, but that it pleased the Lord to afflict Jesus on the cross on our behalf. The fact that Jesus was born in a messy way, in a messy place, and then suffered and died in the messiest, most corrupt way possible is what made it possible for God to look upon us and be pleased. So I believe that what the angels were praising God over was the fact that this baby in a manger is God becoming flesh, dwelling among us to bring us peace with God. And what does it mean to the angels that the humans might have peace with God? Well, think about this. What's the purpose of the angels? The purpose of the angels is very similar to ours, right? To bring God glory. And, and, and we know that without salvation, we're unable to bring God glory from ourselves because of our sin. In fact, Romans 3, 10 to 12, I'll just read it. It says, as it is written, 
None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And if you jump ahead a few chapters to Romans chapter 8, verse 7, Romans 8, verse 7, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. I think the angels saw the love of God for us and that their passion for God's glory led them also to love us. And because unlike us, they're uncorrupted, they saw God's mission to save sinners through Christ as what would bring him yet more glory. That's what it means, glory to God in the highest. So they saw their passion fulfilled in the baby in the manger. And they praised God, declaring his peace with the elect. And I know, the, I know that the song in the King James Version say goodwill towards men. And in some ways, it's still a true statement. It's just not the best translation of the more reliable manuscripts. I just wanted to throw that out there in case anybody was wondering. Like, why does it say that here and that? Yeah, it's just uh, not the best translation. But it is still true. But it's pretty clear, I think, that we're talking here in this place about the people who have or will have peace with God. And we know that not all people will. Most people ultimately will reject Jesus. In Matthew 7, it says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and, w and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. With that, I believe the angels are praising God for the peace Jesus brings in his incarnation, his first coming. I don't think they're proclaiming peace with all creation or all of humanity at that point, because this is what Jesus says later on of his mission here on earth. And Luke 12, 51, he says, Do you think I've come to give you peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. So what we see here taking place on earth today is perfectly consistent with what the Bible teaches. And I believe that the angels are particularly celebrating the peace that those of us who are Christians have with God. And for that, they ascribe glory to God and their praises. Well, I, I began by telling you about Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I didn't finish the story, so let me complete it. As Longfellow tended to the agonizing wounds that his son received in a vicious battle during the Civil War where brother is turned against brother, Christmas morning rolls around. And he heard the church bells ringing in the joyous holiday and struggled with the meaning of the angel's proclamation, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What peace, he thought. All he could see was anger, war, hate, and death. And with that, he took, us, took up his pen and he wrote this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. 
and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. If you're anything like me, you've wondered what in the world the, these angels were talking about. What do you mean peace on earth? Have you seen what Hitler did to the Jews? Have you seen what happened in Somalia? Have you seen the starving children dying in Africa because of political and religious wars? Have you seen what's happening in Ukraine? Have you seen the road rage shooting right here in our own backyard? Have you seen the violence in the streets? Have you seen what social media has done to our relationships with one another? Hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There is no peace on earth, I said. But that last stanza, that last stanza, then pealed the bells so loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so we can sing with confidence and gladness of the goodness of our God who was born in a messy way, in a messy place, and lived a messy life and died a messy death on our behalf. And for those of us who have repented of our sins and placed our faith in Jesus, not only do we have that peace, but that peace has us. My peace I give to you, says Jesus. Does Christ have you this morning? Maybe this morning, you don't know, maybe this is the morning that you will receive the greatest gift of all. The greatest gifts comes when you give it all to Jesus. Last night we asked the question, what, what is the true meaning of Christmas? We saw that the name Jesus means salvation. And so the true meaning of Christmas is salvation has come. And so maybe you're not at peace with God this morning. You haven't surrendered your life to him. Maybe you've been angry with God. You've blamed him because peace on earth just feels like a big lie. 
I'm here to tell you it's not a lie. It's the greatest truth ever told. That salvation has come and you can be at peace with your creator and have hope and joy in the promise of his return when he will reconcile all of creation to himself. Because Adam sinned in the garden so long ago, sin entered humanity and corrupted the cosmos. But Matthew 1 declares with Isaiah 7 that his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you get that? The, the baby came. This is God with us. And he, and he died, and he rose again, and he's ascended into heaven, and he's still with us. We're told in the Gospel of John that he became flesh and dwelt among us. And because our perfect creator entered humanity, lived a perfect life in a messy and corrupted world, and died a sinner's death, we can now be forgiven of our sins and counted perfect before our holy God. And so if you don't have peace yet with God, would you let him make peace with you and receive the greatest gift of all on this Christmas morning? And for all of us who do have peace with God, will you remember the thing that we celebrate above all other things this Christmas season? Salvation has come. And because salvation has come, we may have peace with God. And because we may have peace with God, we may have joy that transcends the concerns of this life. Eternal joy. And that changes everything for us, doesn't it? So go, therefore, about your Christmas celebrations with great joy today. Declare to the world, I am a Christian and I have peace with God because salvation has come. Let us pray. Our holy God, we rejoice in your great plan that brought salvation to our broken world so that we may have peace with you. Thank you, O oh God, that you dwell with us and that you have given for us to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas because your Son has come to seek and to save that which was lost and that he found us and that he saved us. Thank you that we have a, a picture of a, of a baby in a manger to remind us that there is none of us too small are too insignificant to be touched by the salvation by Emmanuel, God with us. And when our eyes drift from these things, oh God, we pray that you would remind us of the peace that we have with you through Jesus so that we might continue to rejoice. We offer ourselves over to you as we celebrate the birth of Jesus among family and friends. May we see that our mission, may we see that as our mission field and be reminded that Emmanuel is God with us until the end of the age. And may these things bring us great joy and may that joy spread to everyone we come in contact with. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.